This is the Overtime Podcast Network. This is the Turn on the Jets podcast. I don't have to convince any one of those eight defensive coaches how effed up I am. These players, they want to defend MetLife Stadium for you guys. Here's your host. Joe Caparoso. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Turn on the Jets podcast. I'm your host, Joe Caparoso, owner of TurnOnTheJets.com, recording live from the Vivid Seat studio with a reminder that with promo code OVERTIME, you get 10% off your first purchase in the Vivid Seats mobile app up to $100. That's promo code OVERTIME. I used it for my week one tickets. I was in the building watching the Jets unfortunately lose to the Buffalo Bills to start their season, 17-16. This is going to be a special weekend edition where we talk about all of the news, predominantly the Sam Darnold mono news. Uh, Since our Thursday episode with Jeff Lloyd, which I recommend you check out, uh, was just focused on the Jets-Browns matchup and everything about Cleveland coming out of their Week 1 loss. Uh, that was recorded before the Darnold news hit. It was recorded after some of the other news of the week because there's been plenty of it, uh, which we'll get into a little bit here. But check that out from Thursday. Uh, this should run on Saturday or Sunday before we hit Monday night kickoff. Uh, as a reminder, subscribe, rate, review on iTunes. Greatly appreciate when everybody does that. Podcast is also available on Spotify, Google Play, TurnOnTheJets.com, and you could follow me on Twitter at Jay Caparoso. So let's talk a little bit about the quarterback situation. So I was about, uh, I don't know, halfway writing through my passing uh, game breakdown. Uh, I what was a disappointing week one overall when the news dropped about Darnold getting mono and being out for Monday night and candidly probably being out for you know, three to four games more after that. Uh, as surprised as anybody else was, uh, it's such a weird, random thing to have happened to uh, your starting quarterback. And again, we recently remember Geno Smith getting his jaw broken by a teammate. That was right up there with this. Mono, of course, a more serious situation. So, you know, don't want to make light of it. Mono is a serious illness. And the, the top priority here is Sam Darnold taking care of himself. And I think the Jets will be mindful of that with his timetable on a return. So there's no chance, obviously, he's going to play against Cleveland. There's no chance he's going to play against New England in Week 3. I really don't think there's a chance he plays against Philly uh, even after the bye week. Uh, And I doubt he plays against Dallas. I think the first time it's even really being considered he comes back is the New England game. And even now, I would bet he's not back till the Jacksonville game just because he's going to need a full... I don't know, three to four weeks to recover. And it's not like he's recovering and coming back and just going back to high school like someone who normally gets mono. He's coming back to be an NFL quarterback. So he's going to lose weight throughout this process. He's going to get back, have to get back to being himself and be able to take a hit uh, and make sure that that's not going to lead to any serious long-term damage. So they're going to err on the side of caution here, as they should. In my head, I'm preparing not to see Darnold at all in these first six games or these next five games, I'm sorry, that takes them up through week seven. Uh, maybe he comes back a little earlier. Maybe he comes back a little later. It, it's really impossible to tell. I, I've This is such a weird and random thing that I, I don't know how you could pragmatically know what to expect. And I think 
I don't think you need to kind of sugarcoat it. I think the Jets were up 16 nothing in the third quarter against Buffalo. It looked like they were going to have a, a nice, ugly week one wing win that had some concerning elements to it, but would be a teachable loss. And they unfortunately melted down uh, in the rest of that game. Their defense, which was very good up until about halfway through the third quarter, allowed three scoring drives and 17 points. And the offense couldn't get anything going and missed some opportunities down the field. Some on Robbie Anderson, some on Sam Darnold, some on Adam Gase for his play calling, which left plenty to be desired. Then we get Quincy Inouye out for the year with a neck injury. He definitely, upon second and third watch, did not look anywhere near healthy in week one, did not know it was going to be season-ending and potentially career-ending. You know, two neck injuries in three years, also serious stuff and you know, Joe Douglas didn't sign a new one to that contract, and I just have to wonder if we've seen the last of him with the Jets, which would suck because, you know, I'm a, a big Quincy Inouye fan. He's been on this podcast before and really a fun player to watch when he's healthy. He just hasn't been able to stay healthy. Jets then trade a six-round pick for Demarius Thomas. I'm meh on this move. I, th- I don't think it's anything to throw a party over. I don't think it's anything to freak out about. I'm wary of giving up draft capital, even though it's minimal draft capital. Uh, for a player over 30, particularly from New England. Uh, Thomas has a hamstring injury. Uh, He does sound like he won't practice at all going into the Cleveland game, but still could play. I think as a fill-in for Inouye, it's a good short-term Band-Aid. I don't know how much to expect from him long-term. We just haven't seen him be that guy we all remember him uh, as being in his prime years with Peyton Manning. And I do kind of worry a little bit about Adam Gase kind of funneling targets to a somewhat broken down Thomas. Now, hopefully he's not broken down and he could be a reliable veteran target. I've always loved watching the guy play. He's a smart receiver. He's got good size. And I hope even if he's 80, 85% of the guy he was at his best in Denver, that's a nice swap in for what they were expecting to get out of Quincy and Nua. So I think I get where it comes from on the transaction. I don't think it's something, again, to really go crazy about either way uh they swap kickers they sign sam thicken and you know not a guy with a ton of experience hard to know what to expect from him it just feels like kicker is going to be a sore spot all year which sucks um and then of course we have the Darnold news with simeon trevor simeon starting and luke falk now becoming the backup Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. I picked the Jets to start the season two and four, be five and five through ten games, and then finish eight and eight overall. And that was with the expectation that Sam Darnold played sixteen games. Now, candidly, I thought the Jets would win Week One against Buffalo. I picked them to win. I figured they'd find a way to win one of their next five and, and start two and four, which isn't exactly a glowing start. Uh, I didn't expect them again to lose to Buffalo. So now the question is, with Simeon playing these next five games, most likely. Can the Jets get to two and four, which they probably would have been anyway, and then you get Darnold back for your soft stretch of the schedule, quote unquote, which parts of it will be soft when they play Miami twice. Parts of it might not be as soft as we expect against Oakland or Cincinnati, who looked okay week one, uh, and Jacksonville, who's going to have a tough defense. So, you know, I think your glass half full here is the Jets beat Cleveland on Monday night, which is an absolute 
must win for them. Sorry, it's true. It's September. You can't lose a fourth of your home games before September 20th. Uh, and Cleveland is the most winnable game on paper of the next five, even though the Jets are seven-point underdogs with Simeon uh, under center. Um, and then you find a way to you know win one of the other ones. Maybe it's Dallas at home. Uh, that seems the most likely because winning in Philly, winning in New England, and beating New England even here is going to be a tall order. Like The Jets are probably going to be 10 or 11, 12-point underdogs in New England and will probably be 8 to 9 to 10-point underdogs in Philly. Uh, so you got to find a way to win this week, and if they if they can get to two and four, and get creative with protecting Simeon's limitations, and I think the best thing to expect with I think what to expect with Simeon is a similar style of play to 2017 Josh McCown. There's going to be a high completion percentage, probably limited turnovers, but a very low yards per attempt and a limited aggressive downfield attack and I feel like Simeon's going to be the kind of guy who's going to be like 23 of 31 for 181 yards with one touchdown uh, and hopefully protects the football you really have to lean on Le'Veon Bell get more creative with Le'Veon Bell get him in space on wheel routes use him in the screen game to get Ty Montgomery going to help fill some of the gap that you're losing from a new on Chris Herndon not being out there uh, and you know, manufacture points and get the ball in your playmakers' hands, uh, and hope that they can do special things. And Bell is good enough to potentially do that. But Adam Gase has to get creative. He can't just call twenty-nine option routes to Jamison Crowder uh, and not use Bell on the screen game and not take occasional shots down the field, even with Simeon's limitations. Or the Jets just won't be able to beat anybody. And I think defensively, if the Jets are going to beat Cleveland. There's a good opportunity here from a matchup perspective. Cleveland's problem is their offensive line. They have a weak offensive line. It's really why they lost week one, I would say, to Tennessee. Because I like Baker Mayfield, but like any young quarterback, if you hit him, he will get off his mark and he will turn the football over. So the Jets, who have poured endless resources into their defensive line, need their defensive line to dominate this game. Not narrowly win it, completely dominate this game. Uh, and take advantage of Cleveland's shortcomings there. You, when is the last time we've left a Jets game and said, man, Leonard Williams was the best player on the field today, and he was unstoppable? That's the kind of guy he needs to be uh, if the Jets are going to win this game. And same with Quentin Williams, who unfortunately may be a little banged up, but that's why that guy was the third pick in the draft. He was unstoppable tonight. That's why they paid Henry Anderson $20 million, because he was unstoppable tonight. That's why Steve McClendon is still getting paid despite being 34, because he was unstoppable tonight. You put all these resources into the defensive line so they could go out and get after Baker Mayfield without the Jets having to blitz everyone, because if they have to blitz everyone and they don't get there, they're going to be screwed on the back end, because they don't have anyone who could cover Odell Beckham, David Njuko, uh, Jarvis Landry, Rashard Higgins. Uh, you saw it week one. They couldn't stop John Brown and Cole Beasley. Odell Beckham, if he's on his game, is arguably the best receiver in the NFL, and the Jets have arguably the worst group of corners in the NFL. Tremaine Johnson looked every bit as washed as he did in 2018 and week one of this year. Let's hope he finds a way to bounce back. But the Jets need to generate pressure without blitzing because they need to put extra guys in coverage. Uh, to keep everything in front of them and allow them to hang around. And you try to get into the fourth quarter and steal a game. And if they could do that, you know, we're having a different conversation. You know, it, one win can change a lot uh, for a season. 
And if the Jets go out in primetime and beat a preseason, you know, media darling in the Browns, I think it changes the narrative of what this early season looks like. Candidly, and I don't think there's any reason to sugarcoat it, if the Jets go out and lose, and particularly lose and don't even cover as seven, seven and a half point underdogs, you start the year 0-2 at home. They're not winning in New England. They're not winning in Philly. 0-6 is very much on the table. And kind of, I'm of the belief, man, you start a season 0-6, Everything that happens after that is kind of just details because your season's over in October. Uh, I think they start 0-6. They're even more cautious with when they bring Darnold back. And I think the only hope at that point is, you know, come out and string together five, six good, strong games to build into next year. I hope we do not get to that point. I hope the Jets coaching staff rises to the occasion and puts together a great game plan and beats outthinks and out strategizes a Cleveland coaching staff that has not really proven itself yet. Uh, and if they do that, this season might be able to tread water a little bit longer. Uh, if they don't do that, things could get very ugly very fast here. And I, I don't know if Gase and Greg Williams have the personality to deal with a team in New York who has a really bad start. So a lot on the line for Monday night. And, you know, it's just a shame. It's, it's just going to be flat out not as exciting to watch with Trevor Simeon, who's a middle-of-the-road NFL backup, uh, compared to Darnold. And, you know, you saw Darnold's improvisational skills on display a little bit in the preseason, a little bit in week one in the two-point conversion. And, you know, not having that development and those special plays out there, it, it, it's going to be frustrating. And every game he's not playing limits his development in that tight window of his rookie contract. So there's no sugarcoating this. It, it's a crazy situation. Uh, that stinks. And it's been a lot of bad news for the Jets compounded in the past five to eight days. And, you know, with Gase, I think, look, he's been dealt a crap hand early here, but he is not a rookie head coach and he still needs to be evaluated this year on how is he game planning? How does the team respond to adversity? Are, are the Jets competing week to week here? Um, so they can make a real decision about him after 2019. I don't see this as a hall pass year, even if Donald misses five or six starts. I think you got to be really critical with how you evaluate him because this is a guy in his fourth straight year as an NFL head coach who is under 500 and was 13 and 19 and now 13 and 20 over his past 33 games. And not an easy situation, but there's a very big difference between navigating what has happened early in the year and scratching and clawing your way to seven and nine, eight and eight, and kind of laying down and just going four and 12 and three and 13. And I think if that ends up being the case, then the Jets are well within their bounds to move on from him. I don't care what happened with the injuries or anything. It's too important uh, to have the right system in place with Sam Darnold's rookie contract. Um, so a huge week for, you know, Gase and this coaching staff to kind of bounce back and hopefully rise to the occasion against, you know, Freddie Kitchens, who hasn't proved much yet as an NFL head coach. You know, Cleveland got whacked week one by the Titans at home, really embarrassed. So this should be a potentially winnable game for them. Cleveland is absolutely more talented on paper, but they have real weaknesses on the offensive line and they still haven't gelled yet. You know, they brought a lot of new players in uh, and the Jets are going to just need to find a way to quote-unquote steal one against a, a, a better team and uh, a team who is you know seven and a half point favorites in their building which seems kind of nuts but it's a reality of what the situation is you do not want to be 
0-2 at home going up to New England, who, you know, is the best team in the NFL right now, I would say, by a decent margin, uh, based on how their roster is currently constructed and what we saw from them week one. So, look, I mean, these are... You know, tough, particularly tough times for this organization. It's really, it's been a dark eight and a half, eight plus years. And I think you just got to hope that they find a way to salvage uh, a win on Monday. And there, if CJ Mosley can play and if Le'Veon Bell is himself and he was great week one, truly great, they have a chance because Le'Veon Bell could be the best offensive player on the field if he's at his A game. And if C.J. Mosley is himself, he could be the best defensive player on the field. If they're not really healthy or they don't have their best games, you know it's going to be tough to potentially overcome Odell Beckham and Miles Garrett. All this stuff with Greg Williams and Odell going back and forth, I mean... Just noise, entertaining noise. You know, there's nothing wrong with a little trash talk back and forth. I, you know, whatever, I think. You know, it's a little risky, I think, to call Odell out with the Jets' current cornerback crop, but who knows? Maybe it gets in his head and rattles him a little bit. I think it's kind of just details and noise at this point. Just go out and, you know, win a football game, and uh, we see what happens, and we go from there. So that's it. A little quick Saturday, Sunday edition. Thank you, everybody, for listening. I will be back Thursday uh, with another episode where we'll talk about what goes down in Cleveland versus Jets uh, and preview the Jets' first matchup of the year with New England, uh, which will be up in New England. So stay with us Monday for coverage. I'll have the 12-pack on Monday before the game starts, and then we'll have our normal initial reaction and all that good stuff uh, right after the game. And uh, that's it. We'll talk to everyone Thursday. Enjoy the game Monday night.